Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. I'm Laura, and I absolutely love soundtracks, most notably Jurassic Park, because nobody calms you down like John Williams just before you get eaten by dinosaurs. And I'm Jen, and if I had to pick a soundtrack go-to right now for the motivation of my life, it's I Need You by John Batiste. That's right, we're talking soundtracks today, and not just the music, we're talking about the book written by John Acuff, one of the funniest humans on the face of the earth. And as a special bonus, you get to hear this conversation about an extraordinary book, the filters, the soundtracks, the way we turn the negative to the positive. You get to hear the conversation play out between Laura and our repeat podcast guest, Melissa Klug. Melissa is an all-star in more ways than one. She is an entrepreneur extraordinaire, most notably known for her company, Home by 11. I am so excited for y'all to hear this conversation between Laura and Melissa about John Acuff's new book, Soundtracks. Melissa, let's talk about Soundtracks. We both read this book by John Acuff in the last week or two. Twice. Twice Twice. in your case. Did you listen to it one of those times? I did. Yes, I did. I listened to it both times, actually. I knew you were listening at least the second time, and I thought of you. There's a paragraph in the book, dear listeners, where he makes a funny joke in this book about the grisly sound guy that's doing the recording and staring back at him. And I'm like, oh, Melissa's really laughing at this because she's listening to the book. Yes. Yes. So it's ironic you listen to it, I think, a little bit. Melissa and I are talking today about soundtracks, this fabulous John Acuff book that is all about how to overcome or at least address and change our thoughts and change the soundtracks that go on in our mind. So I'm officially calling this meeting of Overthinkers Anonymous to order, Melissa. I am happy to be here. I am an overthinker and it's nice to meet you. As am I. And I think let's start right out of the gate. So this book for our listeners, what John Acuff has set out to do in this particular book that we are all reading is help us understand that the things that we say to ourselves over and over have power. And we have the opportunity to listen to a different soundtrack. And one of the things he starts with is actually mentioning some songs from his childhood and how actual soundtracks evoke very real feelings from us. So Melissa, I have to ask you, is there a song or a soundtrack that just makes you go, whoa, I am back to 1987 killing it? 
So easy. This is the easiest question I have ever been asked in my entire life because it is Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard or nice. the entire Def Leppard album Hysteria because I immediately go straight back to like the my eighth grade year, like the summer between seventh and eighth grade. And I was always at Jill's house watching MTV back when MTV had videos. And yeah, I mean, I, like it is a time machine flashback to me. Easy. It's so funny how music does that. And I think it's a great yes. way that Acuff gives context to how things that we see and hear are so very real and take us places. And we need to deal with how our thoughts take us to negative or positive places and start figuring out how to direct our thoughts in a way that they're positive. So yes. he structures this book in this way, listeners, that says, retire your negative thoughts, find something to replace them with, and then get those items on repeat. So I think about this is the version of my kids and I think of the current generation, the children that Melissa and I are raising and the things that they put on repeat, um, which goes everywhere from Broadway to rap and anything yeah. in between, which is what's fabulous about this particular generation of kids. But they all, we all have these anthems that we play. A few years ago it was Fight Song. It's so embarrassing for me yes, to say that. Yes, I love right? that song. But I love that song. And it's what yeah. you put on to get you in the mode. So what John Acuff wants us to do is retire the songs that depress the heck out of us replace them with good ones and then find things to repeat my only criticism of the book is directly related to music and it's the fact that he does wax poetically at one point about yanni and i just yes. can't handle any of that no i was not here for that particular part but every book has to have something that you don't agree with yes so, and that's okay. part of the fun and he acknowledged that he knew most of his listeners would be disgusted <laughs> by that particular choice so for melissa sure. when he starts out with talking about retiring thoughts I really thought it was interesting that the first thing he said was, listen, you're not going to make them go away, but you can yes. crowd them out by taking action. When those negative thoughts or those things that get you stuck start to come forward, have that list of things in front of you that you do to move you on that isn't necessarily directly tied to your work and your personal success, but it's just something to put your mind in a different place. Do you have things like that? I know I definitely do. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> like, and it can range from like those, those soundtracks for me can be anything from like, oh my gosh, like, am I doing a good enough job raising my kids or is my business going to fail? Or, um, you know, like, oh, what about that? The, the thing he references a lot about what about that thing I did in the eighth grade? Or, I mean, yes, I have so many of those things. And it's hard because I think this book made me realize how often I do have those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the hard part is like how much of my um, productivity is being impacted by some of these things that are coming into my head unbidden. And so thinking about them and, and sometimes I'm not good at, at, at acknowledging them. Like sometimes I really do that. Like I'm just going to stuff it down. And in fact, I think sometimes if you face it and, and face it head on, you're better off. I actually liked that in the book, he told us like, let's ferret out these negative thoughts and actually gave yes. us a filter to put it through by asking three questions. I think in order they were, is it true? Is yep. it helpful? And number three, my favorite, is it kind? Yes. So actually to take these thoughts and put them through the paces and decide whether they deserve your brain space or at least the attention that you are taking the time to give them. And then he proceeds, dear reader, even if you are a data person and you're already thinking this book is too soft for me, 
dear reader, read this book. He actually has <laughs> studies and statistics yeah. that talk to us about how much more productive you are if you can redirect these thoughts, if you can get the stuff that particularly isn't true and isn't kind out of your head. That stood out to me because I thought, absolutely. how often do I say things to myself that aren't kind? The one example that resonated with me was I'm the world's worst parent. I find myself all the time criticizing myself in parenting in very extreme yep. terms. Well, be serious. Like you really have to have the data would say serious. that is false. Yeah. Right? My newspaper today would suggest that there are people right. doing much, much worse at this. Not to pick at them because Correct. they also need positive soundtracks to help them. But you need to be very, very realistic with yourself about how much you lie to yourself yes. on a regular basis about the things that you're not capable of. I loved that part. So, you know, when I was taking notes from the book, that was the first thing I wrote down was, is it kind? Because I, and, and I say this to friends sometimes, like, would you say that to yourself or would you say that to someone else? So for instance, if you have something bad, you're saying to yourself, would you say that to your friend? No, of course you wouldn't, unless you're like a really bad friend. <laughs> um, so why are we so much meaner to ourselves and why do we say these unkind things to ourselves, the person that we should like more than anybody else? I, which is absolutely what stuck out to me. Why would we say this? Why would you say that? I say to my kids all the time, we don't think that about you. Would you say that right. to me about me? Yeah, and it's unbelievable though. And I think that's almost worthy of another filter in here. He didn't write it that way, but that is, is it kind? And would you say it? to a friend yep. is another way of stating that filter that was so important to me. And this applies like it's really easy. We're not just talking about the, you know, the self-loathing on a personal level, but this applies professionally, right? Like I think about the fact that I have, I have a lie that I tell myself all the time that is um, I've reached my, I've reached my peak. Yeah. I have this lie that I tell myself all the time that says, I'm, I'm going to go no further. I have reached my peak yeah. in my potential and the peak in where I'm going to go in my organization, that kind of mantra, right? I say it all the time using different words. And this book helped me see that I'm lying to myself. All yeah. I've done is put an artificial ceiling over myself. No one else has said that I've reached a peak. And if someone mm -hmm. that I mentor or do leadership coaching comes to me and voices thoughts like that, I would be unbelievably quick, probably would cut them off mid-sentence to say, that's crazy talk. Correct. That's absolute crazy talk. So why do I say that to myself? Well, and that's a great example too of, uh, you know, that, that ceiling example of when he was talking about, like, I, I didn't think that I could be a speaker, but I created the soundtrack that I could be. And now he has this huge speaking career and it's, it's that, that negative thinking probably impacts you more than you know in your career, because you are probably putting off some sort of like unknown signals that like, well, this is the highest I'm ever going to get. Well, guess what? You could be acting like you're going to be the next CEO and maybe that's, that that's the new soundtrack you might get there you might not but at least put that out there that that's your goal right well and if you don't say it out loud you're you're going to self-regulate back to something differently you have sure. to be willing to say even if the statement because you do need to convince when you do and we'll get to this in a minute when you replace yourself with these positive soundtracks they do need to be true they yes. still need to be true so it might be I am capable of another promotion and telling yourself yes. I've been promoted eight times. Why wouldn't I be again? Right. And starting yes. to allow yourself to say things like that. And because maybe if you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to be CEO one day, maybe that's too much of a stretch and it doesn't feel actionable sure. to you and you do find it laughable, but to say, I'm going to take another step in my organization within the next five years, 
that can be the right thing for you. But you've got to at least right. be willing to say it and acknowledge it. So go ahead. Well, and I was going to say too, like, so my, my version of what you're talking about is, so I am an entrepreneur and I frequently say to myself, like, well, man, I had an awesome month, but it's probably all going to fall apart. This is the last time it's ever going to be a good month and I'm never going to get another client and no one is ever going to want to listen to me ever again, tell them how to build a business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do it all the time. And I do think that when you put, I'm not a woo woo person at all, but I do think that there is that whole subtle, like what energy are you putting out there? And like, yeah, if I put out there, yep, it's probably all going to fall apart tomorrow. That is a subtle, that is a subtle sign that goes out there that then can start to come true versus trying to be positive about, oh my gosh, look how many clients I got this month. I can't wait to get double that next month. So it can kind of give you permission to not take action, which is really important totally. because when Acuff talks about in this first part of retiring the soundtracks, to me, there's two really big things that come with it. It's the first acknowledging that these soundtracks or these things you tell yourself, they're never going to fully go away. So I do appreciate that he made the yes. point of saying, you're not going to ever stop or erase these things from your mind. Yes. What you need to learn how to do is treat it like a dial and turn the volume down on them and get the I volume lo- up on something else. Yes, I love the dial thing because it, it, and I love how he takes the theme through the whole book of, you know, really soundtracks and music and all that kind of stuff. Just turn the volume down and acknowledge it, but not have it be the only thing that you can hear in your head, which was huge. That was like one of my favorite parts of the book. Absolutely. I'm already picturing like that dial in my head. Yes. I found myself doing it today where I thought, okay, I'm not going to make that go away. And I think one of the things I've done incorrectly in the past is I've, I've assigned failure to myself on regulating my thoughts better because I couldn't, totally. make, them, because I couldn't make them go away. Like I've created yeah. my own negative soundtrack just in this. This was a light bulb for us folks, a light bulb that this is a dial, not an on off switch. And it's okay that they don't completely go away. You can still get victory in the thought process. Big light bulb. And that like, I let's hammer on that point a little bit that it, cause I do that exact same thing. I am not a positive enough thinker because I can't get rid of this, you know, this thing that I'm saying to myself. So you've essentially made a double negative (laughs) of like, I already have a negative thought and then I have a negative thought about the negative thought and it's about me and my inability to do something. So it's like just negativity all around. Right. So let's talk about, so it's not going to go away, but what he did start to talk about is how you crowd that soundtrack out by using action. And some of that action is getting the positive messages that you bring in. But to me, the other thing was part of getting them crowded out was taking action either against a more positive thought or goal, or honestly just doing that thing that helps clear your mind or takes you gets you out of overthinking mode. So in the case of John Acuff, he mentioned that building Lego sets really helps him. And I yes. chuckled as I read that because anyone who listens to our podcast and anyone who listens to Melissa's podcast and knows we are Lego fiends. Love it. I That is one I use regularly. I would be embarrassed to admit it too publicly, but here we are putting it out there in the world. I'm that person that sometimes if I have a really bad meeting at work or really frustrating situation with one of my kids, I am going to go to my dining room and start to do a bag of Legos against one of the sets we're working on. I mean, and sometimes quite honestly, I turn my camera off during a work meeting and I play with Legos at my desk (laughs) to just keep myself settled. 
I can I can actually confirm that this happens because the other day I have text receipts where she was like, I'm in a tough meeting. I'm building Amelia Earhart's plane. And she, <laughs> she sent us pictures and it was great. So. You got to keep it real with your people. So there you go to everybody listening to this. You have to you have to keep it real that sometimes you have to do things to make the overthinking stop. It can look like taking a walk. It can look like going for a swim. It can be a lot of different things. But that kind of action, that kind of distraction, numbing action is important. But then there's also the you have to take action towards more positive things, too. So like to your yes. example, Melissa, with the clients, right? You can tell yourself that or you can say, I'm going to double clients next week and I'm going to email 20 people today with proposals and start getting to work on it. Yes. And that's, that is a super important point. Instead of just being like, well, that's it. It's all over. I could say, well, what am I going to go do about this to make that not true? And I am going to go create an email blast. I'm going to edit a podcast episode that I can get out to my listeners. All of those things are really, really important. And I also want to go back to something that you said about the, the Legos, not because I just want to keep talking about Legos, but it would be I fine with me if you did. I know. Listen, we could do a whole podcast about Legos, but the one thing that I wanted to talk about with that one is he does talk in the book a lot about too. Sometimes people are embarrassed to talk about the things that they do to turn down their negative thoughts. And so I do that exact same thing where I'm like, Oh, I know this is weird. I know I'm like an adult, but I love Legos, but we need to be proud of the things that we do to distract ourselves or to, to bring down those negative thoughts. Like, because we all do things and nobody's judging someone else for what they choose to do. So do your Legos goes and be proud amen sister you i feel like you just gave me a license to go order another set i know that's do not it. at all what you intended do but it. I, I look for anything <laughs> tangentially close to buy more legos and go with if it, it makes you if it makes you feel better i'll buy some with you Woohoo! nothing like enabling one another on a lovely podcasting <laughs> afternoon okay so let's talk about that's retiring so listeners i i gotta tell you just that part of the book is so valuable. If, you, if you're if you not a big reader and you only are going to come in yeah. and attack, just getting some of these thoughts around the dial and turning down your thoughts and how you use actions otherwise. But let's get into part two, replacing. We have this whole thing where we say, okay, we're going to retire the soundtracks that are negative or not helpful, but now we need to replace them with positive ones. And this one really started to get me to an interesting spot because I'm not creative. Now, Melissa, you're very creative. I am not a creative person because I went into this thinking, by the way, negative soundtrack. I'm not creative. Yes. I'm never going to think I was of a just about to soundtrack. say, I was about to just to, to catch you on that, but you caught yourself. Yeah. Sorry. I took your fun away. But he did right away go, listen, the best first step you could take is to start to borrow soundtracks. Be out there listening for things that other people say and do that create yep. positive soundtracks for you and start to keep that list and then remix them, carrying the theme forward, right? Remix them yep. into soundtracks that work for you. I love this music theme, by the way. I totally geeked out. Yes, me it. too. Totally a great part. So I started writing down, and I'm going to ask you, Melissa, even just in reading the book and in the time I was reading it, noticing things around me, I probably wrote down about 10 positive soundtracks that I thought I could remix. Did you have any that really stuck out to you? I So I, this is a part of the book that I'm actually going to go back and reread. Yes, that's correct. A third time, because I think listening to it, um, I, you don't get the stopping point sometimes of like that. Oh, I'm going to make that list. So I want to hear mm -hmm. what you have. Okay. See what you put together. So a couple things. One of them was pivot, don't panic, 
Yes, I love that one. Which I love. And I actually gave myself, you're going to be proud of me, I gave myself a little bit of kudos because that's what I'm actually relatively good at. Okay? Here's yes. where we are. What are we going to do differently? But it's still a really good mantra to get into your head. Um, another one, um, I'll feel awesome after. Yes. So this one goes with the, I don't feel like doing that or this is really not going to be fun. But that whole concept, he used running as the example and, and I've right. become a bit of a hack of a runner. And so I get that, right? You do not wake up on Saturday mornings going score 12 mile run day, but you do yes. go, I'm going to feel awesome after this run or at least a day after this run. Um, curiosity breeds criticism. I loved that one or excuse me, it beats it. I just said breeds it. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> I saw it for a minute because I was like, wait, You're what? Like, wait, don't write that down, anybody. Don't write that down. Let me try again. Curiosity beats criticism. I love that yes. one. Like instead of taking a criticism and just dwelling on the negative, ask questions, learn from it, get curious about it, which we've talked about in other episodes when it comes to feedback. And this is one that I struggle with. So when he was talking about this one in the book, this was one that I really did have to stop and like have a hard conversation with myself because mm -hmm. I am, so I am not a perfectionist, but I am someone that um, I, I have a hard time with criticism because I feel like I have done something wrong and, and like, oh, I should have known that. And I should have, I should have done that differently. And I, oh, I like, I really criticize myself. And so this is one, the other day I had someone in one of my courses that gave me feedback on something that she's like, Hey, I know you told us to do this, but I've read that you should do this instead. And for a minute, I will be honest with you. I read that email and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't need this today. Like, I don't need you telling me what to do. And I don't, and I, I had to stop myself and be like, no, she's actually giving you really helpful feedback that is actually going to help someone else on their web website. And so let's take that feedback. Let's go research it. But that's one that is going to be one of my personal hardest soundtracks to, to tone down. I agree. Really and hard. that's one where the concept is really well in my head going to go back to it. But I need to think of another way to cr turn that into a positive soundtrack for me yes. because I'm a criticism dweller as well. I still hear yes. the offhanded criticism from three months ago over all the other things that have happened between now and then that have been positive. I three months? Well I can take you back three decades, girl. Oh, I can. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah, that, but that is legitimately something that I have struggled with my whole life. And so that is going to be something that I take from this book and really actively try to flip that script because I do think it would be so immensely helpful for me. So here's another one, Melissa, that got me to another place that you and I share in life. So one of the other ones he kept coming back to, and I forget his source of this one because it was a borrowed soundtrack, but it was Momentum is Messy. The concept yeah. that moving forward is going to have starts and stops. It's going to have mistakes. Yes. Things are going to not work. That kind of failing forward concept. But momentum yes. is messy. And reminding yourself that it's okay not to be perfect every day. It made mm -hmm. me think very quickly of a thing Melissa and I over the course of a while, Melissa actually got me into it. She's been doing it longer than me, have worked with a nutritionist. And one of the things that she says all the time is, progress, not perfection. And yep. I think that's, you know, we've seen it perfect as the enemy of done. There's a lot of different ways to approach this one, but this whole concept of perf combating perfectionism and knowing that it's yes. okay to make mistakes was a huge one because I am the paralyzed by perfection girl. Yes. I talk a lot with the, the clients that I coach. I talk a lot about analysis paralysis and um, I, I work with a, a population of 
people that are very perfect tend to be perfectionistic and it is really really hard to step out of that if that's your go-to mindset on things it is very very hard to let go of that and so that's that's super hard work to have to get done I thought of you and the work that you do, Melissa, as I was reading some of that, because here you are a champion for the entrepreneurs and one yourself. And that whole, like at some point you need to launch your business. The website may not be, the website's at 90%, we gotta go guys. Or, you know, do we really need that extra flyer out or whatever the right thing is. I'm ill-equipped to give the examples here. But I thought of that a lot because I could only imagine in the world you live on how paralyzing that can be. And then I also reflected back to the book that we did in our reading with the sisters last month with Donald Miller's Business Made Simple. Yes. And one of the things that he pointed out in there, and I know you read it as well, is that a lot of things that we do wrong sometimes as leaders is we pretend we don't know the answer, which is a Mm -hmm. cousin to that analysis paralysis. Like we know what to do. We know what's next. And we give ourselves excuses to stop. And maybe it's because things aren't perfect or we've made a small mistake along the way. So this whole soundtrack of momentum is messy, I'm really looking forward to making that part of the way I think about things and giving myself more permission or more latitude in life. The one, the quote that I always go back to, it actually was in a, a seminar that I went to, um, and the the person leading it said, um, and I believe that it's attributed to Seth Godin, the purple cow guy, um, but she said that the quote that stuck out for her was that if you aren't embarrassed by your first logo, you move too slowly, and that's just a tiny example, but like, yeah, you you've got to make some sort of forward progress in whether it's your business, your professional life, your personal life, whatever it is. You're working on because moving one step forward is always better than doing absolutely nothing. I like that a lot. So I really appreciate it. I hope that gives everybody a flavor for what we're talking about here with these soundtracks that we need to replace in our mind. And one of the things that he said in particular is those soundtracks need to encourage us because that encouragement then to our previous point pulls us back into action and gets us that messy momentum forward and is a really good thing that you can do um, to make sure that you don't allow yourself to just become stagnant and stuck in the overthinking or the negative thoughts. One more thing in this replacement section that I thought was worth drawing out, I actually posted on our sister's Insta feed the other day, was the statement that he made that when you're overthinking, are you focusing on the problem or on the solution? And I really liked that one. I actually was reflecting on that one the other day and I started doing something on a tick sheet at my desk while I was working in how much time was I spending in meetings or with other folks? Like how much time were we spending talking about the problem? And by that, I don't mean root cause analysis because we all know I love a good root cause analysis exercise, but I mean just, well, how do we get here? What are we gonna do? This is terrible. How much time are we spending on that problem and overthinking it as opposed to saying, we've got this problem, what are we gonna go do about it? And I think that's a really good way to flip your soundtracks too, is to really make sure that you're, you've set your focus on solutions and not problems. Well, and just a simple, I will tell you, I have, I spend so much time on my laptop that I just get exhausted of it sometimes. I have gone back to the old school and, and you know, we both love paper, physical paper. I have gone back to using a notepad 
and just making notes. I bought a very beautiful one that I like very much. I bought a fancy pen and I sometimes now just brainstorm and, and put notes out physically writing on paper. And that has been a great thing for me on this action front because it doesn't involve my laptop and it helps me get those, those thoughts out and get those action plans out to try to move myself forward. There's so much power in the pen in actually totally. writing things and getting them out of your brain. And there's so yes. much power in that in so many different ways. I love that. Okay, so retire, replace. Let's spend some time on repeat because the power in this soundtrack thing, going back to the analogy with having these songs that play in your head and put you in a particular mood is that you need to have soundtracks that you repeat over and over and over so that they become a part of who and what you are and your driving force. So in this portion of his writing, John Acuff just got me to something that I loved and he called it slingshot moments. And how are you taking advantage of the slingshot moments in your daily life? And what he means by that is the morning and the evening. How are you, yep. how are you, addressing your morning to slingshot into your day. And at night, how are you slingshotting into your dreams? Because that has so much power on your thought process through the day. And I feel like, Melissa, I have spent years hearing people say, you know, like you gotta get up in the morning with a good and get your head screwed on for yes. tone for the day, blah, blah, blah. I, I, whatever, I roll out of bed. And especially since COVID work from home mode, it's like, oh, I've been That's... out of bed 13 seconds. It's time to get on a meeting. I have not been good about that, but I loved here. It wasn't just about, you know, taking 15 minutes to meditate, which if that works yes. for you, that's fantastic. But it was a very actionable sense of how are you going to set your thoughts as you enter the day, not just gather your to-do list and get calm. Well, and he talks about, like, <laughs> I, this made me laugh. He is he's also a very funny writer, which I always appreciate is humor when humor is mixed in. But he talks about, like, did you get up on the side of the bed that has a pit of vipers next to it? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I totally do that. <laughs> so that morning, I'm not good at morning or evening routines. Like, really, it's not my forte. And I do think that it impacts me from a what I can what I feel like I can accomplish during the day. And it really does set the tone for my day. And so I am actively going to try to work on some of these things. Yeah, but I do too. I might need an accountability partner, no pressure, but I might actually I will have happily to think about do that. accountability there. Because I did, like if I think back to, I'm an action items girl, if I think back to the action items from this book, in general for me, it was call out the lies, buy more Legos, Yes. <laughs> right. Remix a new soundtrack. And then it was figure out how to slingshot. I love the slingshot comment yes. because it's so true. And I think what's not worked for me over the years and the way that he really got my attention was making it, it's very action. It's kind of aggressive, if I'm honest, which I kind of like, right? Like, how are yeah. you going to just slingshot your day? And he does specifically get into having an actual mantra that you go through with yourself mm -hmm. in the morning and the evening. And again, data friends takes the time to show data and talk through studies that say how much more productive and successful you can be if you take the time to use some sort of mantra that works for you, whether it's a, a couple of these verbal soundtracks and a song that gets you going and gets you in the right mindset at morning and night, it makes you more productive. And this is one I will say, I appreciated the data on this one because I will say this one is going to be a little harder for me because I'm not, like I said, I'm not a woo-woo person and this felt a little woo-woo to me. Amen. But the data that he had behind it made me go, okay, 
maybe I need to give this a try, even though it's going to feel deeply uncomfortable for me. And I always think of like the old SNL skit, Stuart Smalley. Yes. Like, yes. Like, um, and, and so I, I am going to have a harder time with this, but I am deeply committed to using some of these techniques. And so I am going to, I am going to try it. This one's going to be tough. One more thing then too, and I agree, so tough. One thing that I didn't find to be tough that I appreciate in pointing out was some was that often you need a symbol to go with these things, yes. these positive yep. soundtracks. Like what's the symbol that you can that you have around you that helps you kind of dial into these positive thoughts and this forward thinking energy and it's funny one of the ones he mentioned was a seashell from the beach that helps you think about like that calm place or those vacations yep. you like to take and melissa you may not know this but i actually have like a little bowl beside my bed that has two things in it seashells and it has rocks from the trip you and i were on together with some of our fellow girl bosses from lake superior Aww. oh so i love that you can weep later but i know that's very touching Honestly, it's on my bed, a little bowl with those yeah. on my nightstand. And I actually wake up in the morning. I look at, you know what? The the beach ones are more family and the rock ones are more my girlfriends. But Aww. it's the, you know, I am getting up and I'm doing these things. And the reason I want to push forward is because honestly, I'm working for my fun time with my friends and families and the chance yeah. to travel and go special places. Like that's what makes me go and motivates me to rethink how I'm making choices is I want to be able to have, frankly, the expendable income as well as the time in yep. my life to prioritize those things. So what do I need to do to get on that path every day? And I love the symbol idea. First of all, I love that. And now I want some of those rocks um, for my own nightstand. But um, I also had a friend one time who had a phrase that she used and she said, you can't finish reading the book if you keep reading the the last chapter, or the, the previous chapter. And so I actually had a bracelet made that said, it was from this company called My Intent, and it said next chapter. Um, and that was in a time in my life when I was like searching professionally and, and all sorts of things. And, and so like, I actually might get a new bracelet made that says soundtracks because I do think it's something that you need a physical reminder of like, okay, when you get in that mindset, how can I have a physical reminder to tell me do it differently? I love that one. And it's so funny because you did that in a bracelet. He brought up tattoos in his book, yep. which made me chuckle. Melissa and I got our first tattoos together, we everyone. Did. So how about that? Check. But I thought, oh my gosh, because I've often been thinking about my next tattoo that I want to get inside my wrist. And one of the reasons I haven't done it yet is because I can't, I haven't settled on what that two, three word phrase is that I want to put there. Um, but I think that's another way you could do it. But I like the bracelet idea, a little less permanent. You can, you know, that kind of deal, yes. but, and you could add to it easily. So I like that very much, but I do think it's really important to have that grounding symbol somewhere in your life. The other one mentioned was just those pictures, like in your office, there's yeah. a reason in your office, you put pictures of people who support you. No matter yes. what kind of work you do, and maybe your work doesn't have you in an office in the traditional sense, maybe it is behind the steering wheel. And actually in my case, I used to travel a ton for work and I have pictures of my family on my visor that I can see and they're there, right? I'm coming home to them, I'm doing this for them, et cetera, right? Those kinds of things are so important to keep us motivated and keep that soundtrack of what we're doing and why we're doing it on repeat. So I thought that was really powerful yeah. and fun. 
And I think it's another good reminder to be kind to ourselves that this is a journey and like the people that you are looking at in those pictures don't expect you to be perfect. And so you don't have to expect that from yourself, but that you can hold yourself to a higher standard. Right. I love it so much. And I think it's worth saying just finally one of the very closing points in the book. And you can tell Melissa and I really appreciate this book. This is a multi-times read book to kind of take it all in. And it's an easy read. It's a fun, flighty, humorous, easy read. Um, But there's a lot to get here. And he did say at the end, just that reminder that fortifying a soundtrack, making a soundtrack really work, does require taking action. So these cannot all be post-it notes with positive thoughts that you have hanging on your bathroom mirror. And with all due respect, I post-it note things all over the place. So I'm not knocking that in principle, but you do need to actually take action. So make sure as you build up these soundtracks in your life, you're building actions to support them and make them become a greater truth in your life. And I think that's just really inspiring to think about that. There were two particular notes that I took, and one of them is he he said several times, turn your super problem into a superpower. <laughs> and that, you know, if you can put all these thoughts in your head, like you have the ability to be able to turn this into something positive. But the note that I wrote below that was, this is not what, I know this phrase gets thrown out a lot, toxic positivity. Because, and I really am big on talking about toxic positivity because it's not just a, a like, oh, you can turn it around and it's not just some, some thoughts, like you said, post-it noted to a mirror. It does involve doing some work to actually make those things happen. So it's not just having a soundtrack of you're the best person on the earth and you have everything good coming to you, not those kind of empty phrases, but they're phrases that you are actually going to do the work to move forward. I love that very much. And I do think that's so important. So Melissa, we've got a ton from this book. Yes, I I genuinely love this book. And I also think that if you if you bookend this book, if you did like Atomic Habits and soundtracks together. Oh, yeah. Like these are two books that we both love. And I really, really believe that you can put these two together and make it, you know, really, really supercharge. I agree with that. So one more time for everybody listening in case we haven't, we just now convinced you and you haven't been paying attention to the title. It is The Surprising Solution to Overthinking Soundtracks. So Soundtracks is the main title. The author is John Acuff. If you are not following John Acuff on Instagram, you are not living your best life. So go remedy that right now. I am not living my best life and Um, I'm doing it right this very second. He is thoroughly amusing on Instagram and of course talks about Legos. So that's fabulous. Um, He has two daughters and a lovely wife. And he, for me, is one of those people that helps bring some levity to the seriousness of our lives, which I think most people that know me know that that's kind of how I roll. But he even, he does it in a much more refined way than I probably do. But just, you know, we're doing serious work in raising our kids and in employing people. But we're also here to have fun and live a good life. And he really does a nice job of bringing balance. So I really enjoy him um, on Instagram thoroughly and would recommend following him if you aren't already. And hopefully he'll credit me for the follower that he just got out of you. It's yes, he um, he has 130,000 followers. So I'm sure he really I put him right over the edge there. So. I'm sure I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I think listen, he would tell you 130,000 followers. That's up zero from a career he essentially started over from corporate America 13 years ago. Yes. Um, and he said the number one thing he did is what he wrote in the soundtracks book. And it was changing the way he thought when he got up every morning. 
I am ready very, very sincerely uh, since I read this book uh, because it was recommended to me by Laura. I have absolutely been putting these things into practice already. And I am going to reread the book again um, because I really feel so strongly about, like, I know that I can make change based on this book. And often I will read a book and I'll be like, yeah, that was interesting. Bye. This is not one of those books for me. This is going to be one that really sticks with me. You can't get a better endorsement than that. So folks, if you're gathering your beach reads, soundtracks, atomic habits, huge, huge life changers. And we hope that it was helpful for you to listen to this discussion. Melissa, this has been fun. Thank you. I, love I always love talking to you. Club. I know. And I love virtual book club. It's great. It is great. Laura, that was really fun always listening to you and Melissa chat. You guys have shared a lot of chapters and a lot of legs in life. And so I did enjoy Melissa talking about the idea of next chapter because I know y'all will share many more to come. But I really enjoyed listening to what y'all took away from the book. I haven't finished reading it yet, but I did get to sit in two weeks ago on a live writing seminar with John Acuff where he was pulling out some of the ideas. And it's some of the same ones that stuck out to y'all that stuck out to me, the whole, is it true, is it kind, is it helpful? But one of the ones that I would add is when he talks about the fact that fear gets a voice, but it doesn't get a vote. That's genius. It's absolute genius. And I think that is a great overarching theme for this entire book and concept that John Acuff has given us. So Jen and I have been talking for the last month about filters. And that's exactly what John Acuff is doing in this book. How do we apply filters? And I particularly think that it's important to note that everything gets a chance to be out there. Fear is going to get a voice. Anxiety is gonna get a voice. Anger is going to get a voice. You can probably put all of the kind of negative things in there, but we have the opportunity to filter them out. We get the opportunity to turn the volume down on them, to use the dial analogy that John Acuff has given, and we get the chance to turn up the volume on the positive. And that's easier said than done, but it's such a worthwhile target to get our eyes fixed on. Absolutely. And you brought it out in the conversation, Laura. One of the big ones that I think we're going to both focus on is those slingshot moments. What are the ways that we just be conscious about the soundtrack and flipping them over, especially in the morning and at night and letting those things work in our favor? So I I really loved it. And the only other thing I loved that he came up with was the fact that there is a difference between overthinking and being prepared. And too many times we fool ourselves into thinking that overthinking is being prepared. But he said that overthinking um, leads to more overthinking, whereas being prepared leads to something. And so again, this is all about getting out of some of those stuck places. So we hope that y'all have enjoyed this. Pick up a copy of the book. Thank you again to Melissa for joining us in this conversation. We love the work you're doing. We love the humor that you bring to life. And we hope that for all of you, this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life. Thank you.